Welcome to Conversations with Caroline. On this season, we're going to talk about conversations that matter. I have asked each of my guests to bring a conversation to the show that they wish more people were talking about. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, throw in your AirPods for your daily walk, grab some friends to listen in. I'm your host, Caroline. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and written a review. If you haven't had a chance to do so, please do so wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow along on Instagram at Conversations with Caroline for all the latest updates. And be sure to share this episode with someone. that I said I would be back earlier, but man, does anyone else feel like 2021 is just flying by? I have so much to catch you up on and so much good stuff ahead for season two, so let's jump in. I thought this season I would try and record episodes a little bit more off the cuff. Obviously, I will still edit all the crazy things I may or may not say in my recordings out of the episodes, but Wanted to bring a little bit more vulnerability to the podcast and just share some honest thoughts I have, a little unscripted. So today I'm going to talk about the things my ex-husband is still doing. I know, I don't talk about him much, but we are almost one year out since my divorce was finalized and I want to talk about him so that people who are going through things that I have been through know that they're not alone. And for the rest of you that have the privilege of not having gone through this, you can be there for your friends as they go through it. Because statistics say that one in three, per, one in three people will experience a domestic violence relationship in their life, which means we need to talk about it a whole lot more to make sure that we're prepared to support our friends as they walk through this and to help look for the red flags so that people don't have to become another statistic in that domestic violence world. Now, some people have asked me, and one of the questions that I've learned over this season of sort of taking a break from podcasting uh, that was still triggering to me was, did you see the abuse while you were dating your ex-husband? And I think the reason that question became so triggering for me was because I realized the answer was yes. And that if my answer was yes, did that mean that I chose to marry someone who was abusive? And I believe the answer to that question is no, because what we can see in hindsight is so much more than what we see when we're living through it. And if you know me, or if you're like me, you tend to believe the best in people. And that's a good thing. The world needs more people believing the best in other people. What it can also lead to is a lot of second and third and fourth chances, and it can lead to overlooking some things that really need to be examined and brought to light. So when I think about that question, did you see these tendencies in ex-husband when he was your boyfriend? And my answer is yes. What that means is I saw somebody who struggled to process anger well. Somebody who 
would get upset at a situation and what I would say would overreact. Um, what I also saw was somebody who was quick to apologize and who often admitted that their behavior was inappropriate or didn't match the situation. So there was a sense of normalcy to um, what I thought and then what was rationalized later. And what I later learned is that that was part of the cycle of abuse is that there's these really big kind of knockout drag out fights and then there's that reconciliation of apologizing. I think I talked about this a little bit in season one and you get stuck in this cycle and by the time you've recovered from one of those knockout drag outs you're already back in the next one and it just becomes exhausting. But I digress. The question was did you see it while you were dating? Well the things I saw while we were dating, besides the anger, were isolation. And I have a lot of friends that are introverts. And so this has nothing to do with being introverted or extroverted. What this really has to do with is community, which, if you know me, is one of my core values and something that I believe makes all of us better, regardless of our personality type. And what I saw later looking back was somebody who didn't have strong relationships um, with any depth or real value in them, somebody who was nomadic and moved from a season of life geographically and relationally. And while that can also be explained and totally normal, what it meant for my ex-husband was that there was no accountability in his life. So he was able to move from one season to the next and sort of quote, burn the bridges with those relationships. And so there was nobody in his current season of life to really give a character testimony to him. And the friends and family that I did meet, they were so far away geographically that it would be like introducing somebody in your life today, a friend that you run into when you're home for the holidays but haven't seen in 15 years. Sure, they can talk about t-ball practice when you were younger, but they don't really know who you've become or um, your character. So there's a sense of rela relationship because there are people around this person, but there's nobody in everyday life walking the ups and downs with this person. And so I've learned since that it's really important to me that people do life together, that you've got some people, and this is for relationships or friendships, for families, you need some folks that are going to go through the ups and downs with you, that see you on your best day, but also see you on your worst day. People who can say to you, hey, you seem like you're living out of your values in that decision or in that statement what's going on? Like, are you okay? And they can, and they see that and they call that out in you and that you respond with, Hey, you know, you're right. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm not feeling like myself. And so I'm reaching when I'm responding. Um, and so that isolation that I thought was explained because of life circumstances and there was a death in the family right before I met my ex-husband and just some things that shifted him geographically really were issues around uh, his ability to make relationships. And so that put a huge burden on me as the partner who had the local community, had the friendship ties, that then everything socially in our relationship was left to my side of the table. 
which can feel great at first because you're always hanging out with your friends and your family and it makes you feel like your life doesn't really have to change that much. But what it's actually doing is masking this huge void of any sort of accountability or relatability to the other person. And so if you find yourself dating somebody who seems a bit of um, all by themselves is the phrase I'll use, just verify it. Try and get to the root of where they've been, who they do life with. And if doing life with other people is important to you, don't compromise on that. Really try and find someone who values it because at the end of the day, what happened for me is that my ability to do life with other people was slowly taken away from me um, because he didn't have that same interest. And so when I wanted to go to Bible studies or I wanted to have a girls' night or I wanted to go away for the weekend, there wasn't the same respect for those values because they weren't important to him. And so what you feel is, oh, he wants to spend all his time with me or she wants to spend all her time with me and this is so great. They're so obsessed with me. They love me so much is really actually a terrible thing we need to unveil and see in our friends that when we begin to lose our friends to relationships, um, it's worth asking the question, hey, are you... Are you still in your values? Do you still feel like you're getting to do the things that you want to do? And um, please hear me that there is compromise and there are things that you have to give and take on in relationships, but uh, there should still be a part of you in that relationship and in the things that you get to do. So isolation was another thing that uh, I saw beforehand that made a lot more sense afterwards and really has taken me some time to process and this one's a big one, and I've heard a few other relationship podcasts that I listen to talk about this, but my ex is crazy is a phrase that people will often use, and they say to look out for that because if your ex is crazy and that's how you describe them, there's probably more to the story, right? It takes two to tango, and so I'm very cautious when I describe my ex-husband to people, although it feels easy to describe him that way. I try and walk people through the gaslighting and the night and day that I experienced as things changed over time and um, sort of the bait and switch. I would say I experienced more than, oh, he's just crazy. Yes, he's got some tendencies in him, but um, if you're dating somebody who that's their blanket response. Oh, I don't want to talk about my last relationship. She was crazy. He was crazy. I think there's there's something to be said there. There's something to unveil there because I was told that a lot about my ex-husband's ex. And I've since talked to her. She seems lovely. We've had a good conversation about uh, the similarities in our stories. I hope one day she'll join us here on the show. Um but there's always more to the story than just that phrase. And um, something I didn't give enough weight to then was trying to learn more about that relationship from both sides. And I'm not saying that you should call up your ex's ex and have a, a lunch date with them. But that's why it's important. I go back to the community aspect to to have people in your life who walked with you during a relationship so that when the next one comes along, it goes back to that character reference of somebody being able to say, oh yeah, that didn't work out. They had different values. They wanted different things. They were going physically in different places and it was really the healthiest choice for both of them, you know, to end their relationship. So 
looking out for those sort of big statements. Oh, they were crazy. Oh, their family was crazy. Oh, their career was consuming. Those can be true in part, but they're usually not the whole piece of the story. So when I sit here on the other side of divorce, on the other side of that relationship, and I think back to what did I know then? I knew that I was a 28-year-old woman who was falling in love with a guy who promised me the world, who declared that his values were similar to mine, who made an effort to see me and spend time with me and get to know my friends and family, and I held on to the good. And what I didn't do enough was listen to the still small voice inside of me that said, is this really as good as it, is this as good as it seems? Was that apology sincere? That behavior seems to be getting worse or it seems to be repeating itself. Maybe we should look into that. And so I just encourage you if you're in a relationship before marriage and you're you're hearing that voice inside of you, which is, man, this is exhausting. I don't want to keep having that same conversation or that same fight or going through this same cycle. It's okay to ask the question. It's okay to invite people in. One of the best podcasts I listened to as I was going through my divorce, I was listening to a woman share about her life post an abusive relationship. And she said the best advice she had given was, been given was that you should have somebody in your life, a mentor, a counselor, a pastor, preferably not a parent. I'll talk about that later. But have somebody who isn't a friend, but is really somebody who guides and mentors your life, which I recommend everybody should have one, um, that you tell it all to, that you tell the nicest things they say and you tell the darkest, meanest things they say. Because if you're hiding or sheltering or protecting your worst moments, it's probably because in your heart of hearts, you know that there's something really wrong with what's happening in that moment. And and maybe you're like me where you're afraid that if somebody knew what was said in a fight or how often the fight happened, that they might question your relationship and you weren't ready to face that. But let me tell you, friends, It is always better to face it because in the end, it will always come to light. It always does. And I'm so thankful for my story and the way that it happened and the way that I'm able to reach different groups of people because of the experience I've been through. But 10 times out of 10, I am always going to try and stop a bad relationship from getting married so they don't have to go through the pain of divorce, okay? Let's try and stop our friends before they make that lifelong commitment where then they're going to have to break that covenant and they're going to have to leave because the abuse gets too much, because it becomes too toxic. So I started the podcast by saying what my ex-husband is still doing and that's because a few days ago the harassing and stalking started again. You heard me, almost a year after our divorce, and he still has not left me alone. I ask myself, I cry out to God and I say, why is this still happening? Why is this still my story? Why do I still have to live in some amount of fear because this person can't let go? 
And I'm so grateful for the friends and pastors in my life who remind me that I am not called to fear, but I'm called to be courageous and to be bold. But there's also a rationality that has to happen and a reasonable amount of protection and courage that it takes to walk as you walk away from an abusive relationship. And so what I want to be clear on today is that if you are experiencing harassment or someone who's stalking you, you need to tell someone, preferably the police in your local neighborhood, but enough friends so that you're not going through this alone. I think the scariest thing about abuse is that people keep it to themselves and they don't want anyone else to be in involved or aware because it goes back to that hope that and belief that there is good in everyone. And there is. I believe that we're made in the image of God and God is good. But what happens when you keep it in the dark is you allow the evil and the, the negative and the harmful to grow and to have space where it wouldn't if it was brought to the light. And so if you're experiencing those things today or you suspect that your friend might be going through these things, I encourage you to have the conversation with them. I encourage you to reach out to your local authorities, to a counselor, to a friend, somebody that can walk this journey with you. Because I don't want your story to be mine. I want your story to be where I am today without having to go through everything that I've gone through. And so... Thank you for listening to this honest conversation of all things that I have been through. I am so grateful for each of you that listen and comment and reply and share your story. I hope that our conversations together will inspire you to live braver lives, to have the tough conversations when you see something that isn't right, when you see a friend who their light is being dimmed by the person that they're with. They could not even be in a relationship and they could be fighting anxiety or depression. We need to check on our friends. We've heard that a lot these past 12 or 14 months. And I think it's true always. We need to check on our people. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I am so excited for all that season two has in store. So please follow along at Conversations with Caroline on Instagram. And I will talk to you soon. Conversations are tough. But sometimes it's those tough conversations that we need to have the most. So be brave today and have the conversation that matters.